Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Incomparable, number 607, March 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and it's back for a third go-round, The Incomparable Film Festival, a film festival that does not exist, but we're going to program it anyway. And we do it in the form of a draft, because you can't show the same movie twice. So I have gathered a bunch of wonderful people, and we're each going to program a day of The Incomparable Film Festival with four films, because there are going to be four rounds in our draft. I'm going to introduce my panelists, the programmers of the third Incomparable Film Festival, the order in which they will choose, as assigned by Random.org. Random.org. We bring the random to you. That's the theme song. Monty Ashley will pick first. Hi, Monty. It's a wonderful night for the Incomparable Film Festival. It's a wonderful night for the Incomparable Film Festival. Who will win? Uh, The listener... Clearly, the listener. Monty, you inspired this, so I'm glad you went first, because you're like, hey, we should do that film festival thing again. And I said, hmm, that's a good idea. Yeah, I've seen some movies since the last film festival. <laughs> since 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Sure. Uh, picking second will be Moises Chuyan. Hello. Jason, uh, I put on reel five of six, backward and upside down. We're going to have a problem in the 3 p.m. slot, so we might as well just push the whole day back. Okay, that's fine. It's imaginary, so we can do that. There's nobody out there yet. By the way, oh, if you God. run a theater and would like to program our film festival, get in touch. We'll uh, we'll talk. <laughs> Shelly Brisbane will pick third. Hi, Shelly. Hello. I've lost my wristband. What What desk do I need to go to to actually get into the film festival? It's on the Lido deck. Yeah. Did okay. you know we were on a cruise ship? I just made that part up. So there we are now. <laughs> it's the hospitality desk. And look for Gopher. Ask for Gopher. Excellent. Uh, Erica Ensign will pick next. Hello. Hello. I'm here. I thought of some movies. Uh, Shelly's going before me, so I'm a little bit worried. Mm. Well, that's the drama that drafts bring. That's why we do drafts, because they're just fundamentally very dramatic. Wait, does that mean I have to choose all dramas? No. No. The, oh, good. The, we, you can choose comedies if you'd like. Inside well, a drama. Well, Erica, you can try. <laughs> oh. You can try, but Shelly will pick him first. <laughs> David J. Lohr will pick after Erica. Hello. Let's all go to the lobby, because that's where we actually make our money. I mean, the films are great, but mm-hmm. it's the popcorn and the concessions. It's very very expensive popcorn. And the yeah. merchandising. The merchandising, absolutely. Cicero Holmes will appear next and pick his films. Hello. Hello. I uh, am trying to find what vintage bag the wine is from. Uh, so please let me know. I will try to find a date on the bag. Okay. I may, I may have to go back to the cardboard box that the bag came in to find oh, it okay. out, but I'll let you know. Oh. I'll let you know. All right, please. Thank you. Steven Chapansky will also pick. He, he likes movies from the, mostly the seventies. I think this, this should yep. be interesting. Hello. I also like, uh, um, musicals from the 1930s. It's hmm. not often documented. Uh, that's in- not true <laughs> I don't at believe all. that's true at all, Stephen, because every time I talk to Erica, she says, oh, Stephen doesn't like any of the movies we watch on Lion's Tower. So she- well, uh, <laughs> well, we'll Busted. see. We'll see. When Stephen unveils his, his 30s musicals uh, <laughs> I selections, could be shocked. he'll just be blown away. Uh, believe it or not, 
I haven't I have mentioned him yet because he's picking uh, next to last because I will pick last as your g- generous host, generous host. Dan Morin will pick right before me. Hello, Dan. Oh Jesus, am I here? I Is guess. This... <laughs> Are you in this? Wake one? up, Dan. Oh God. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> and then hi. go back to sleep uh... because it's not your turn yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gonna watch some movies. Goodbye. All right. Yes. Go watch uh... some movies and then come back and pick one of them. Uh, all right. That's it. That's how this works. We're gonna program f- uh, four movies for our day of the uh, mentally, uh, you know, kind of like conjured incomparable film festival. And uh, again, no duplicates, which is why no duplicates this time. If people want to pick a movie that was picked in one of our previous film festivals, that's fine. Tough luck. It's revival. Oh, just bring it on back. Yeah. Or or don't. Uh, Dan may yell at you if Dan is aware of all those movies. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. doesn't remember. I got the list. I got the list in front all of me. All right. Jason. Monty, mm-hmm. what is your first selection in the Incomparable Film Festival? We're kicking things off with The Sweet Smell of Success from 1957. Here's the premise. Uh, you guys know who Walter Winchell is? Don't answer. Yes. I'm asking the audience. Yes. Oh. The, audi- the audience doesn't. The audience are a bunch of dummies. Just wow. complete <laughs> vacant stares at their podcast. Walter Winchell, audience, was a powerful gossip columnist in old-timey New York. And in Sweet Smell of Success, Burt Lancaster plays him, but he's called J.J. Hunsecker, and he's slightly more evil, which means he's incredibly evil. <laughs> and Tony Curtis plays a press agent who just toadies around just simping and trying to get any scrap of approval. And it's so cynical and it's just great. It's uh, the sweet smell of success from 1957. Uh, it's only 96 minutes, so you could start watching it now and you'd be done before this podcast. Ends. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Maybe before I get my pick. <laughs> it's, it's entirely possible. Dan, are you still here? You no, can, you can do, like, go make some tea or something. Take a load off. All right, I'll be back. It's going to be a long time. You'll <laughs> be back, everybody. There goes Dan. Uh, all right, sweet smell of success. Uh, no one else can pick it. Moises, it's your, cho- your choice now. Well, similar to Monty, I am going to go vintage uh, with my first pick. I think that's a good way to start out a day at a film festival. And uh, I'm sure that uh, poor Dan Morin is just going to be crestfallen that I, I chose something that I'm sure he picked. And that's... Fashions of 1934 from director <gasps> William oh Dieterle <laughs> and starring William Powell and Betty Davis. Uh, there are elements of this movie that I don't want to spoil because I really want people to see it. Even if you are a fan of William Powell and you've seen all the Thin Man movies, even the bad ones, multiple times. Uh, I find that a lot of people are not that familiar with this. Um, the basic premise is that uh, is that a, a an investor, uh, his firm goes bankrupt. And he decides the scheme to get into is bootlegging fashions from across the Atlantic and assigning them with established designers names and making a bunch of money. Busby Berkeley directed musical review sequences uh, found in the movie. And if you're a fan of uh, of Gold Diggers of 1933, because we introduced you to it, I feel like Fashions of 1934 is definitely right up your alley. Um, you've got Betty Davis uh, in uh, in in a role that again, like William Powell, a lot of people don't know her for this movie. Uh, but it is it is great if you already know both of them. It is also a great introduction to both of these screen legends uh, if you don't know any of their work at all. The additional selling point for this one is that is that it is also a pre code movie, which is always the most fun mm. that you can have in the 1930s. Yeah. I see now the beauty of the first round is we don't know where they're going yet. We just got we got a little clue about what their what their theme might be. Um very 
very interesting so far. Um, we've had the 50s and the 30s. Now, Shelly Brisbane, you're up next. You host a podcast about old movies here on the Incomparable Network. What's your choice? Oh, my, my money is on Shelly going to the Lumiere Brothers. <laughs> yeah, something that it's hasn't even come up yet. <laughs> what's, what's your bet, what's your bet Moises? Because I, I want to know. I, uh, so the, let me... You're going to go with the Lumiere Brothers or oh, totally. yeah, uh, Ali's Gee? Yeah. Little, little little Buster Keaton, maybe. No, uh, my pick is uh, Harold and Maude from 1971. Oh, a oh. new one. <laughs> a new one. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody with, told me we were picking new movies. With, <laughs> with, with young'uns in it and stuff. Uh, starring Ruth Gordon and Harold Court. Uh, Ruth Gordon, who did appear in a few old movies, but much better known for Broadway. Not that any of you care. Um, if you have hung out in any uh, college film classes or film festivals, perhaps you've been exposed to Harold and Maude. It is the delightful story of a man, a young man obsessed with death and his relationship with a 70-year-old uh, Holocaust survivor, their adventures, the Cat mm. Stevens soundtrack, driving around in a hearse. It is a delight, a joy, and profoundly weird, and I love it. A Bud Court. That is a that I, I did not expect this from you. You are going against mm. type by picking a movie released in the last <laughs> fifty five years. Well, I, I expect to see Monty and Moises on a future episode of LTS in order to uh, since since they went against not against type necessarily, but against expectations, perhaps. Yes, interesting, very interesting. All right, we've covered uh, three different decades, and now it's Erica's turn. Erica. Uh, I I am very put off by this movie from the 1970s. That is way too late. <laughs> I, I don't think that's I don't think that's appropriate at all. Um, my first pick is a movie called Top Hat from 1935. Wow! Yeah, dipping back Yay. into the 30s. Indeed, I'm loving this draft so <laughs> I know. I wish I'd seen some of these movies now. I know. Like I, I didn't realize we weren't going to start with our uh, with our themes. So I guess you guys get just get to try to figure. No, it that's out that's the, that's the fun. I think it's the part fun. of the fun of the game. Don't give it away. All right. Well, then I will have to backfill once we uh, once we get to the end. All right. So top top hat, uh, nineteen thirty five. Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. It is a delightful dance number filled uh, songs filled. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous screwball comedy uh, in which Fred Astaire, he's uh, an American um, st stage artist. He's a, he's a tap dancer and he sings and stuff. And there's some uh, some uh, mistaken identity. He, he comes to London. He's supposed to be starring in a thing. Anyway, he and Edward Everett Horton, who plays Horace Hardwick, uh, <laughs> meet up and... <laughs> <laughs> the names I in this movie are just great. Cadence of that. Edward Everett Horton plays Horace Hardwick. Hardwick. Mm -hmm. I, I want that as a ringtone. And uh, and yes, Ginger Rogers appears. She uh, she's a beautiful uh, beautiful girl. They're trying to impress her. There's mistaken identity. She thinks that it's actually Edward Everett Horton that's trying to come on to her, but it's really Fred Astaire. It, there's a lot of goofiness. Anyway, it's just really really fun. There's a lot of uh, of good songs, some that you might recognize, even if you are not a fan of classic films and you watch movies from like the 1970s or something. Uh, you still might know a couple of these songs. They are just delightful, and it's a it's a great comfort watch. So, top hat. Edward Everett Horton. People may know from the narrations of fractured fairy tales in the uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle show. I I am very oh, glad oh. that I did not go with my all Ever Edward Everett Horton lineup, <laughs> which <laughs> really sniped. is something so that I. I consider doing. I could see you doing that. It yes. is possible, and mm -hmm. I would, you know, be right there with you. Oh, maybe, Mary v, we've decoded Erica's uh, theme already. We'll see. <laughs> Just we'll you see. wait. 
But it's th- three named actors. <laughs> uh, David, it's your turn. Well, I I'm going to go with a recent movie. Oh, the like uh, late seventies. No, it's actually from 2019. What? Oh wow! What? But it what? feels they made another century. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, at least since the last draft. Um, no, this is a film that feels like it could be a throwback. It feels like it could have been made uh, at any time in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, because it's it's Knives Out. Damn it. It is a beautiful Uh-oh. film. Uh-oh. <laughs> Sniped. And, <laughs> and it's, it's one of the most meticulously plotted mystery films I've seen maybe ever. It's it's certainly in the top top five of those for me. And it also manages to take your 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 basic murder mystery setup, your basic Columbo kind of setup, and wrap it around a Hitchcock thriller. And the two styles weave in and out of each other. And it shouldn't work, but it does. And it's just brilliant. And and it's a it's one of those films that rewards multiple viewings. Um, you can you can watch it a second time just to see how fair he plays. You can watch it a third time to hear it with Ryan Johnson's commentary that he made for you to sit in the movie theater with. And you can watch it a fourth time with his commentary with some of the rest of the, the crew who made it. And they're, each viewing rewards you more and more. It's just a really well-written film. So, Dan, I, uh, I'm glad Dan was here. To hear to, to be sniped, so it wasn't an ugly shock when he tried to pick it later. It's fine, David. It's fine. Could you explain Daniel Craig's accent briefly? <laughs> I don't no. think anybody can. No, it's 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 it's, it's Southern French. It's Colonel Sanders. Yes. it is. It is Colonel Harlan Sanders. If he came from Normandy, I say, it's, I say, I say, uh, yeah. I say, may we? It's great. It's just it adds to his character <laughs> that he's got but this completely ridiculous accent. I, love I it. hope yeah. he has a different accent to knife, Knives Out too. <laughs> just a completely different, completely ridiculous accent. And, mm. and and now this is one of the the silliest little details about the movie that I love. They went to the trouble of duplicating the Agatha Christie paperback font from the 70s and 80s for all of the marketing. That doesn't exist as a font anywhere. They had to make it. Mm. And it is every design element in the film is brilliant. Every musical track. I mean, it's so just everybody oh. knows what to pick first in the font draft just to yes. make David yes. angry. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's Avatar. It's Avatar with papyrus. Mm. Uh, Cicero, no. it's your choice now. Oh, wow. Uh, man, uh, four of my choices have already been taken. Yeah, uh, you fashioned so, the 1934 yeah. really <laughs> right, killed right, right, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so this film, uh, a recent film, given given the films that have already been <laughs> uh-huh. been chosen, uh, yeah, it, it came out the year I was born, 1976. No, actually, this film uh, was even more recent than that. It was actually the year I graduated high school, and much like high school, these uh, this film was a coming of age type of film. Um, one that you may have heard of before, ladies and gentlemen, l- allow me to introduce you to <laughs> the beast forever with the Sandlot. 1993's The Sandlot. Oh, 
The Sandlot is a film of a bunch of youths in in uh, I think like nondescript 1962 Southern California, where uh, one of the young kids, uh, Smalls, winds up trying to befriend the rest of the neighborhood kids that he just moved into the neighborhood with who love baseball. And it it ultimately is the story about what happens after Smalls in his attempts to win over his friends gives their gives them his dad's Babe Ruth baseball to play with and they knock it over the fence into the the forbidden yard. The forbidden yard. And there's something in that yard. And the in that yard is the beast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's a, it's a great film, um, you know, wonderful people, and a great uh, cameo role by Mr. James Earl Jones himself. I think at this point in his career, uh, he he was contractually obligated to be in any film about baseball. Baseball, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so you know, I mean, it was just fantastic. All right, The Sandlot. So now we've covered uh, the '90s. We'll throw that in there, too. But we've had the 30s twice. Interesting. (laughs) I wonder if we'll get every decade before we're done. Stephen Shapansky, you're up next. So, you know, the 70s is already one from the 70s in there. But the 30s uh, 30s musicals, still uh, some of those on the board, too. Well, Erica sniped me with top hats. So I'm going to go yeah. with another Fred and Ginger one. Swing time is my... No, it's not. Um, yeah. uh, you had to I'm look go- that up, I swear. I, well, the funny thing is, is I looked up 1930s musicals and I saw top hat and I was actually going to go with top hat, but somebody sniped me with top hat. So <laughs> sniping the jokes now. Sniping the I'm jokes. Sniping the jokes. Uh, I am... Uh, surprise, surprise. I am going to the 1970s. Uh, it is... Uh, it's actually a very hard film to find from the 1970s. Uh, in its original format. Um, but I think it was probably successful at the time. Uh, it's a little indie project shot in various locations around the world and uh, hacked together through the miracle of editing to, to make a fine movie in the end. It's called Star Wars. Um, not Star Wars, <laughs> A New Hope. Not the, not the, mo- not yeah. the movie that, that, that launched a thousand spinoffs and prequels Episode and stuff. four. Nope, nope, none of that. None Star of that. Wars. Just proper pure. The it's, original. It's, it, We're going to be screening the original print. The original oh print of Star Wars. Down. George yep. Lucas is coming after us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let him try. Let him, let him try. <laughs> let if he can find you. the theater, he's welcome to it. it. It is so pure. And, you know, to watch that movie with when you're just, you know, the I, I watched the despite I cannot watch the remastered versions at all. I have to go with the despecialized version. Mm-hmm. And when you're watching that, it's like. I'm watching a movie from the 1970s because it looks like it's the 1970s, except it's set in space sometimes. And it's just, it's got that gritty quality that I like, but it's also, you know, a a great fantasy fun adventure film. And uh, it never gets, I don't think, as much credit anymore because it gets, keeps getting changed and, and and made fun of. And uh, that, that first film, um, it's brilliant. So yeah, the original print of Star Wars. I, um, I am on the record, and you can go back to our Star Wars episode of this, that that I love that movie so much. And, and people talk a lot about The Empire Strikes Back, which is a great movie and all. But mm-hmm. that original movie, Star Wars, call, call it its name. Call it Star yep. Wars. Mm-hmm. That's Star its Wars. name. 
it's a great movie. It is a legitimately really is. great movie. And it moves so fast that by the time you get to the end and they're getting the medals, you're like, what? That's it? That's that's all? <laughs> yeah. Han Solo shuts up like 48 minutes into that film. And, and you feel like he's been there from the start, but he doesn't because everything is just happening so fast and it's so much fun before mm. then. Then Han Solo finally turns up and then the actual movie starts, but yeah. you're already halfway through and you're having a blast. <laughs> and it, it's a film that doesn't need a sequel. It is perfectly self-contained. <laughs> it's true. And, yep. you know, like Empire Strikes Back, I love it. But it's not totally self-contained, and nothing That's else true. after that it's, is. It's uh, a, I'm looking at the box office returns here, and it says it does need a sequel immediately. <laughs> 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 That's true. Have you seen the merchandise sales here? Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to begrudge it a sequel. <laughs> and uh, so, Dan, your your master plan of picking the original trilogy and then some other movie is out the window out, now. Clearly. And Knives <laughs> Out. Dan, if you'd yeah. like to know about some musicals from the 30s, we can help you. <laughs> what, it was all Brian Johnson films, right? I w- I'll say nothing. Uh. I don't give away anything before it's time. Right? Is but it Brick? Is, is it, now your pick? That the uh, I, you know, Brick was it was you know, maybe. Uh, is it my turn? Is that what's happening? It is. It's your turn. Uh, all right. I'm gonna start with a a little movie from 1997 um, that probably a few people have seen. It was fairly successful. That is L.A. Confidential. Ooh, uh, nice. Which was yeah. a basically based on a James Elroy novel uh, and is about a bunch of uh, LAPD officers in the 1950s. It's got to deal with corruption. Uh, there's some Hollywood stuff in there. It's got a very noirish sensibility to it. It's got a fantastic cast, uh, including Guy Pierce, Russell Crowe. James Cromwell, David Strathairn's in there. I mean, it's just like literally all these people in the background who you were like, oh, it's that guy. What I love about this movie is that it seems very much like it's starting in one vein um, where it's talking about these seedy, you know, goings-ons and you've got these two characters played by Crow and Pierce who are kind of at odds. They're very different types of cops. You know, Russell Crowe's kind of a a thuggish cop, you know, brute force and everything. And Guy Pierce is very smart, but not really respected by anybody else. And it culminates in one of the great team-ups of cinema. I think there's nothing more satisfying than the last act of this film, which really just, it just rocks. The, the last act of this film is just killer. And I think one of the best things about it is that, like with so many noirs, the plot is so twisty and involved that you can easily rewatch this movie yeah. multiple times, having Truth. forgotten exactly what happened. <laughs> yes, can confirm. Well, huh? and, <laughs> but it's this, still this is, great every time. Yep. I played the video game L.A. Noir several Indeed, times yes, before so I saw <laughs> that that movie, and then when I watched that movie, and then Chinatown, this, it, I thought, it is oh, that game. it is that game. <laughs> it's that yep. game. Basically, yep. that game is let's turn L.A. Confidential into a game. Yeah, yep. and it was a great game. It was a great movie. It, it the was only great criticism yeah. I have of L.A. Confidential, and the director did it intentionally, but having watched as much actual 40s and 50s film noir as I have, the guys in Nelly Dick Confidential do not wear hats, even though it takes place in the 50s. Mm. And that just mm. irritates me. Yeah. Uh, D- Dan, you mentioned the boys. They're great. Kim Basinger, also Kim Basinger. great. Yes, she's mm. also Amazing fantastic in, in this. Yeah. Yeah, a movie that probably does lack a bit in the uh, actress department otherwise, but she is more than makes up for it. Yeah, yeah. This The the first time I saw this movie, it was the first movie that made me feel like I was an adult. Mm. Right. Like enjoying this movie felt like, oh, I'm a grown up now. Like, <laughs> this was I like love a, that. This is like a <laughs> film. Wonderful. Right. Like it was awesome. 
And that is a perfect segue into my choice. A film that made me feel like an adult. Guess what? Ew, I'm programming. Ew, when you say it, it's gross. You <laughs> chose another film from 1997, I, The Saint. I, I, oh, I want to go to dog heaven, though. I, no, I am going the other way. I'm going to program the weekend, and I'm going to start because I sat here wondering if anyone was going to have a theme similar to mine, and it didn't happen. So I get to choose the top pick on my board, 1988's My Neighbor Totoro by oh, Hayao Miyazaki, ah, yeah, a nice. film in which a uh, family goes to a haunted house in, the for- in a haunted forest, but it's nice. <laughs> and there are some monsters who live there, but they're adorable. And there's a creepy bus that you have to go inside. Inside, a, it looks like a cat. You go inside, like, is it eating us? Well, kind of, but not because it's a bus, but it's also a cat. Anyway, uh, it is a story that is uh, full of delight, but also has, I think, one of the things I like about it, this underlying the fact that they're these big, scary things that could be monsters, but they're not monsters. And I think that that's a nice message for kids that, that just because something is big and potentially scary, I like going the other way and saying this is like, but this, these, they aren't monsters or if they are monsters, the monsters are our friends and they, they just want us to have fun. And that one is wearing a leaf as a hat. And isn't that adorable? Because this is the most adorable movie ever and one of my very favorites. And uh, I thought I'd get some animation on the board too. So Miyazaki, My Neighbor Totoro, we've done episodes about it. It's great. It's wonderful. And and somewhere John Syracuse sat up and went, I've been sniped. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope that on this day of the festival that we can get a whole bunch of families to come and see this this film because I watched it for the first time ever in the movie theater with a bunch of Japanese families. It was the Japanese version with with subtitles, uh, English subtitles. And that was the best way to consume this Mm. movie. It was absolutely delightful. It was wonderful. Yeah, we'll have a special um, on the, in the film festival. We'll have a special family uh, ticket to get you in on my day, and uh, we're going to start it off. We're going to kick it off with my neighbor Totoro. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Well, now everybody has picked one film. We don't really know what their themes are. We might have some ideas. We don't really know. You don't also have to have a theme. You could just pick some movies you like and that that's fine. But if you do have a theme, that's that's even better. I think it's all going to start coming into focus now with our second set of choices. So let or us will it. go or or will we be confused? <laughs> Let's go back to the top and Monty. From 1957, we go all the way to 1951 Whoa. with a great Billy Wilder film called Ace in the Hole. Mm. Oh, oh, wow. Hooray. Okay, you mm. know how sometimes the news will become obsessed with something that's sad for one person, but doesn't really seem like national news. Like in Is this another rhetorical question? In 1987, <laughs> a girl fell in a well, and it was all anyone could talk about for like six months. Mm-hmm. Ace in the Hole stars uh, Kirk Douglas as an amoral newspaper man who's determined to get back to his job at a real newspaper. And he finds a guy who's stuck in a mine. 
and he turns it into an absolute circus. And I mean a literal circus. There are rides. There are <laughs> concession stands. It's very, very cynical, and it's just a delight throughout. If you've never seen a Kirk Douglas movie, this is a great one to start with because you will be entranced with this man's charisma. <laughs> Ace in the Hole. It's just so good. And LTS is on the board with the second film that we have covered on oh. our little show. So if you're interested, please check us out. Yeah, you I don't have the episode numbers to hand, but you can uh, find the them. The top hat episode is episode 19. Thank you, Eric. What about Ace in the Hole? I, I was not I, that one. I haven't looked that one up yet. It's before that, if I remember correctly. It was an early one. That's uh, 17. Thank you. All right. Mo the old movies are uh, taken care of. And so now, uh, moral <laughs> movies, probably. Moises? <laughs> Well, this is where I, I I was at a bit of a crossroads. Do I pick something that might get sniped? That I thought you were going to pick Crossroads, the Britney Spears movie. Newer, <laughs> <laughs> There's know, also Chris Cross, the film noir. Where, where Britney played Robert Johnson. That, that, that was an option, honestly. I could have gone all pop star vehicles, uh, the Madonna version of Swept Away, that kind of thing. Um, I am going to go... All the way into the future year of 1948 for Powell and Whoa. Pressburger's The Red Shoes. Ah. Fancy. One of the great uh, dance films, one of the great Technicolor films, one of the great films. Um, the uh, the movie was recently released in 4K by Criterion. Uh, it, it, has, it has never, ever looked better, uh, and it already looked pretty darn great. Um, the basic setup is that uh, uh, ballet is uh, is a very competitive field. Um, opera is, is the same, and they are often intertwined because they both need dancers. Uh, they both need a lot of musicians. They both have a lot of moving parts. And in this movie, uh, we we cut to the the quick of what it means to be truly original, what it means to be ambitious and what the costs are while tying in the themes of a legendary Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale that becomes interwoven into the movie's narrative itself, in addition to being the subject of uh, of a, a ballet being put on um, incredible performances, incredible dance sequences. If you have never seen a dance film that doesn't need uh, musical numbers uh, on top of the orchestration, uh, you know, sung stuff, uh, this is really the I I I have yet to show this to somebody who has told me they hate the red shoes. It's breathtaking. Don't show it to Steven. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see him. Sorry, noises. I mean, I I love a lot of the Archer's films, but this is their ultimate. I mean, mm -hmm. they just did such a gorgeous I'm waiting for the uh, story. The Shelley Brisbane seal of approval on this one. It's a delightful film. I, I I remember the red shoes mostly because I saw it in a very fancy New York apartment when I was in college, lounging in a bed, drinking wine and eating grapes. So I remember that as much as I remember what, the if movie. You f if you find yourself in a New York apartment lounging and eating grapes, <laughs> you might you might just be watching the Red Shoes in the best way possible. My favorite Indeed. part of the Red Shoes is where David Duchovny is answering letters for people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jason. No, Thank Jason, you. Jason, I appreciate Jason. That's a TV you. show. It's a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not know that was going to be a reference tonight, but there it is. It was it was the oral history. <laughs> Oh, Shelly, help. Oh, wow. Help, it's your choice now. I saw yes. half of that movie, but it starred Tom Hanks. Uh, the Man with One Red Shoe, 1985. I'd yeah, love I for you to it. think that it. my theme is, is planting 
uh, references for Jason and only Jason today. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut. So I miss the 1990s and um, not actually the decade so much as just talking about it because we've been talking about all these old movies and you know how I feel about old movies. I'm going to go with 1990s Edward Scissorhands. Um, it is uh, the story of, the title tells the story pretty much. There's a guy with scissor hands. <laughs> and it is uh, Johnny Depp at his moody, weird best. Uh, Tim Burton film, that tells you a lot about at it as well. moody, weird at his best, moody, probably. Weird <laughs> something. Um, and I, I, I um, having moved to California several years after this movie came out, and California, Northern California seems to be obsessed with the way they cut their hedges. I always just imagined that Edward Scissorhands was somewhere in my neighborhood making the hedges look nice because that's the 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 image from that movie that I retain mostly is Edward running around and trimming the hedges with his giant scissor hands and I it's just a it's a moody interesting film that it is that is one of a kind and I love it truest sign of a 1990s film Winona Ryder is in it that's <laughs> true too also Winona Ryder. Also. If you hated Batman Returns like Jason did, you'll yeah. also probably hate this. Yeah, you know, I admire Tim Burton. He knows what he is doing, and I don't like it. I don't like he what knew- he's doing, but he nope. knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing back then anyway. Well, okay. See, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Water, water, water. Fair. <laughs> All right, Erica, your turn. All right. Well, I started in 1935. Don't worry, guys. I'm getting closer to the present. We're going all the way up. 1936. Oh, so close, Monty. 37. Ah. <laughs> well, this is getting good. No wonder yep. you were worried, Erica. <laughs> yeah, uh, 1937. So I am going with The Awful Truth, which ah. is, uh, yes, it's a, it's another screwball comedy. This one stars uh, Irene Dunn and Cary Grant. It is directed by Leo McCary. And they are very, they're a very rich couple, which means really pretty frocks in this movie. Lots of lots of nice dresses and stuff. Um, but they are they're rich and they don't particularly trust each other. And uh, he thinks she's cheating on him with her singing teacher. And she thinks he's up to no good because he went to New York when he said he was going someplace else. Anyway, they decide to get divorced. And uh, and once they have decided to get divorced, they realize, well, maybe we don't actually want to get divorced. But in a, instead of actually talking it out like you would do if you were grownups, no, 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 you're 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 spoiled rich people. So instead, you try to um, sabotage everything that's happening in the life of the other person so that their uh, their single life does not work out. And of course, they get back together at the end. Spoilers for a movie from 1937. Oh, uh, <laughs> it is Can't very watch silly. It now. It's very silly. It's delightful. I think Irene Dunn and Cary Grant, for me, are my favorite classic movie duo. I just love the way that they play off each other. Uh, Cary Grant actually was not super excited to be in this movie because Leo McCary has a very improv style to the way that he directs. And that was not something Cary Grant was sort of ready for. But he stuck it out and learned a lot. And many people credit this film with being uh, one of the, the great reasons why Cary Grant went on to be such a delightful improvisational actor uh, later on in his career because he he started it all here and he started to learn a lot of things. So some of his later films, which I also love, I, I, I credit this movie with some of that. So The Awful Truth, 1937. David, it's your choice. Uh, I am I am going backwards uh, a couple of decades for this next film. 1900. Um, well, <laughs> almost. No. 1973. Um, it was a film written by two people 
not known for writing, hmm. or at least writing films, uh, and not necessarily known for working together, but they were both puzzle fanatics. Um, Stephen Sondheim yeah, I knew and where Anthony you were going. Perkins. Yeah, I knew you knew where I was going. Mm-hmm. You, the moment you said 1973. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's a film called The Last of Sheila. Uh, it's a, a classic murder mystery puzzle on a yacht. And uh, Ryan Johnson cited it as a as a uh, an inspiration for Knives Out, and I don't really want to say anything more about the plot because it is so twisty and clever, and uh, it's it's a really well done puzzle. Uh, because Sondheim Sondheim was into games; he collected games, board games, puzzle games, all kinds of things, and he he wrote crossword puzzles just for kicks. So it's that kind of murder mystery. It's a yep. bunch of the funny thing about well, Sondheim's crossword puzzles is that the acrosses were really happy, but the downs just made you want to tear up the puzzle. <laughs> and and yeah, not uh, not it's all a, the songs um, work. People, but anyway, people who saw Into the Woods get me. Uh, yes. Cicero, it's oh, your, yes, it's your I, choice. Oh, yes. I, I, I had to mute. I yes, I reacted appropriately <laughs> with the mute button pressed. Well, uh, y- you know, at, at some point in your lives. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. I've got to paint the picture, right? <laughs> Everyone, it's 1996. Oh, right. Is it again? Yes. It's Aliens have invaded New York, and, and you are you're wearing flannel. Mm-hmm. Um, I am wearing flannel. Out. Thank you, but uh, I'm in Seattle. It's expected, right? Um, it's it's part of the contract, right? Exactly. And maybe you have transplanted. You've moved. From Seattle to L.A. to follow your dreams. Mm. And your buddy has just broken up with his girlfriend. And um, you come over with a six-pack, a pizza, and a VHS tape. And that VHS tape is Swingers. (laughs) (laughs) Cicero, you are so money, and you don't even know it. (laughs) 13-year-old me showed up with a six pack somewhere but okay i'll go with it (laughs) right uh this is uh it's a six pack of juice boxes right this is john john favreau's uh attempt to break into the business uh he wrote and and starred in this film with a very young uh head not quite as big vince vaughn Uh, (laughs) and uh and and the the it girl of the moment heather graham had a had a great role in in this film and uh yeah it's it's a film about uh a breakup and and being in la and and going through the whole process and uh you know trying to be a star and and how swing dancing is forever and will never go away (laughs) and it's not a fad at all nope um so uh yeah so that is that is the next film in my festival i have to say this is this is a great pick it's one of my one of my favorites and it's one of those movies that is infinitely quotable yes um like and it is it's just very snappily written it's got a great cast uh and if if i <laughs> anytime i i've ever been at a party and you just feel like that party is well, maybe you hit the end of the party and <laughs> you you're you are written you know must say this place was dead anyway right <laughs> so far I, all that i can discern cicero's theme uh, could be is 
trailers for movies that I saw endlessly on VHSs that I rented in the 1990s. Uh, and and please don't ruin it for the everyone else. So two films, <laughs> two films uh, from the 90s already. So yeah, I, I thought it was films that made you feel like an adult. Mm. Oh. You grossed up Could and be. you grossed up and you grossed up. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> let's see what Stephen has for us because he picked Star Wars last time. So I'm I'm you know very curious about where he goes next. Barclays of Broadway is still available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it okay? Uh, I'll take that uh, under advisement. Um, I am going to let's see. Looking at my list here, I I want to stay in outer space Ooh. and select. One of no, I'm going to call this my favorite film of all time. Wow, Buckle I know it bonsai. Is. It's 2001: <laughs> A Space Odyssey. Uh, um, okay. I, I I know that Jason has issues with the ending. I love the ending. Um, I how do you I feel spe- about the ending of The Prisoner, Stephen? <laughs> I love it both. I love confusing and muddled endings that make us talk about them 50 years after they okay. happened. Well, uh, Stephen, Stephen, the good news is Jason is wrong about the ending of 2001, and you're correct. Go thank on. Thank you, thank you, Moises. Uh, I spent uh, my 18th birthday, which I remind you is a you're, you're legal to drink in Alberta when you're 18. I spent my 18th birthday picking up McDonald's and watching a VHS copy of 2001 for the first time in my bedroom, and I loved it. Uh, and I I watched it a, a several times through the through my 20s. And then I kind of put it to bed because I thought this is my favorite movie ever and I don't want to have my opinion changed by um, hindsight. So uh, until it, uh, I think what, 2018, 2019, it, uh, it came to theaters here in Edmonton and I went to see it in the theater and it was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. If you ever have the chance to see 2001 oh, yeah. in a theater, yeah, oh, it's spellbinding. The the outer space sequences, like the fact that they take so long, and the the you know the blue Danube waltz and everything is just so majestic and slow and beautiful. And you know, a lesser director would have tried to like you know make them fly around and like sort of like be action. Come on, it's a movie. You're supposed to move around there, but it's just so. Beautiful uh, to watch those spaceship scenes, and then the Starfield sequence at the end, the the slit scan um, by the late Doug- Douglas Trumbull. Um, oh, is a revolutionary bit of uh, visual filmmaking. It's a, it's a spectacular film. It's it, I, I it's, like the ending it, much more than I like the ending of The Prisoner. Just so we're clear. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it's good. more it's more coherent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a spectacular film. Um, I think every single space scene you've seen in any movie ever made since then has basically been trying to uh, to mimic 2001 in some way, and I don't think any film has ever got it as good. And if you're seeing it in a theater, depending on what state you're in, you might be able to improve your. Uh, Experience, <laughs> or, or in Canada, nationwide. Just throwing that out there. The, yeah. the uh, I had only ever seen this on TV, like you know, standard def TV until oh, wow. until 2018, oh, or no, or VHS, or VHS, like Stephen yeah, said, like, until yeah. 2018 when we did our episode about it, and that for that I I got the 4K version. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it is amazing just yeah. amazing that's one of those movies that's like oh yeah you know i've only i think i uh, lawrence of arabia i at least saw in, in the theater in 70 millimeter but like there are several movies where i watched them and then i realized i would re-watch them in 4k and be like you know i only think i ever saw the pan and skin vhs of this and oh it's a God, totally yeah. different i i, I regret <laughs> so many great movies that i only saw on home video in the <laughs> 80s and 90s but that's just what we had 
Oh yeah, Star. It's going back to Star Wars. I for years I never saw what Luke was talking about. It says, "Oh yeah, I see one of them now." And he's talking about the Tuscan Raiders because mm-hmm. they never showed up on the right side of the screen <laughs> yeah. until I saw the widescreen yeah. version. You know, no. if you if you tune if you tune your Star Wars to 4K 77, I don't know what that means. Uh, you might actually see everything you're supposed to see. Might be yes. Hey, hey Dan, uh, do you have a crime? film for us now <laughs> i you know what i have a crime film for you jason <laughs> what yeah i know it's un it's impossible uh i am picking uh i'm sticking in the 90s apparently oh. that's what i'm doing 90s crime uh, 1998 uh a movie that was i think a relatively relatively low budget for the time and i believe was the first movie by uh, a fairly prominent director, which is Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels uh, okay. by Guy Ritchie. Okay. Uh, a heist movie um, about four friends who basically end up owing a lot of money and decide to rob a bunch of robbers. Uh, it is a dark comedy in parts, uh, <laughs> and, but has a, a pretty good cast. Jason Statham, I believe, also made his, if not film debut, certainly the the film that probably got him into uh uh you know popularity um but uh jason fleming and dexter fletcher in there too sting is in there vinnie jones also the movie that made vinnie jones for whatever brief moment vinnie jones was a thing <laughs> vinnie jones should have had jason statham's career yeah i agree yeah. that's fair yeah yeah um but uh i really enjoyed this movie it's been quite some time since i've seen it but there was a time where i watched this a bunch i remember i had a screenwriting class in college and one of the first exercises we had to do was essentially transcribe a opening scene from a movie uh and i transcribed the opening scene from this movie which is a lengthy sort of like i believe it's like a a short con with like you know a, a three card monty style thing um and it w- turned out to be exceedingly complex as i realized because there's a lot going on in that opening scene so um yeah i i really enjoyed this movie and it has a, a certain degree of i mean guy Ritchie after this became much more i think stylized even more so than this movie but i feel like this movie sort of distills my favorite things about what he does without getting too overblown all right crime it's one of those career making movies that uh that i i don't know that he ever achieved what he did with that one in terms of being able to surprise people because it's it's his whole bag of tricks you clearly haven't seen the live action aladdin (laughs) (laughs) all the swearing that's why i couldn't i couldn't take that one well uh all right I guess it's back to me. Uh, and so now I'm going to uh, move from the 80s to the 90s and pick a movie about uh, another animated film. Uh, sorry, I like Cicero's like, uh-oh, the 90s. That's my territory. What are you talking about? <laughs> Everybody gets a decade. Stay in your lane. It's an, it's an animated, another animated film uh, about, uh, let's see, uh, it's about uh, kids who find uh uh, something monstrous, but it turns out to be friendly. My theme is coming into focus here. Uh, this uh, is about Aladdin. this is about an <laughs> alien killing machine that falls to Earth. But oh, fortunately, Mac and me. Mac and can't, me? Can't right. say, yeah, it, uh, Mac and me was on a list I was looking at earlier, but it is not. That is not animated, friends. It's not animated. Uh, but anyway, but but um, it, it, it he's got a dent in his head, and so he's nice. It's the Iron Giant, mm. uh, which is uh, we did an episode about it. It's a classic. I love it. 
Um, it is uh, set in the Cold War. Uh, the Iron Giant is uh, a, a murderous machine, but he's nice now and does not want to be a weapon. And of course, the response that the uh, government has, because there's an annoying uh, government guy is that they're like gonna treat him like a weapon and they're gonna destroy him and uh it's uh it's uh cute and uh, harry connick jr is in it as a guy who lives in a junkyard and makes junk sculptures which i think is hilarious uh and uh it's gonna be a great follow-up to my neighbor totoro the iron giant on, on yeah. saturday again family pass is available for that it was it's, it was the film that uh gave the world vin diesel that's right mm. That's right. I've never seen it. Yeah, you know, this one breakdancing so video. Good. Yeah, that I'm, is true. I, I'm coming to I'm coming to this day of okay, the film good, festival Erica. because because I've never you, seen the Iron Giant and I would like to. I so think you will well, like it. Yeah, it's, Erica, it's the Erica, right period. Erica, crucially, while catching up on stuff vis a vis the Iron Giant, watch <laughs> only the Iron Giant, not other movies that the Iron Giant appears in. That is true. Yeah, well, Noted. That is true. Already made that mistake once. That's, that's see, very see, my advice. problem is that so far my I must watch this soon list is The Last of Sheila and the Iron Giant, which is a weird double bill. A little bit weird. <laughs> that's yeah, a film find that theme. <laughs> right. A little bit weird. All right. Uh, we are halfway through picking movies. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Let's move along now to... Round three and back up to the top to Monty, who I'll just remind you picked the sweet smell of success and ace in the hole. So far, the the similarities there, they're both from the 50s, both have the in the title. Monty, what do you have for us? They're also I, both in black and white. I have the movie Tabloid, a 2010 mm. documentary directed what? by Errol Morris. I say I have the movie Tabloid, <laughs> a 2010 <laughs> documentary directed by Errol Morris. Hmm, interesting. Uh it is about a crazy case that I do not have time to go into, but it says here it is known as the Mormon Sex in Chains case, which was a huge tabloid yes. story in the United Kingdom. I'm listening. And the documentary is sort of about the case, but it's more about the ways it was covered. And the ways it was covered was flamboyantly, um, with guns blazing, um, sensationalistically, uh, wildly sensationalistically, it's a really good documentary. It's Errol Morris, so you know he does good documentaries. He does, and it's a really interesting look at the way a case can be blown up out of proportion, even when it starts off wildly out of proportion. Tabloid. It's good. Wow. Well. So I, I'm sensing a theme of uh, bad journalism in your choices, Monty. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. We'll, we'll see, see. on my fourth pick, which will bring everything into focus. Okay, it's excellent. <laughs> Paddington <Excellent>. 2. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Post. Oh, no, that's just a bad <laughs> movie about journalism. <laughs> Moises, it's your choice now. 
I mean, now I'm tempted. I mean, Paddington 2, I will go mm-hmm. to bat for being one of the great films. Doesn't fit my theme, unfortunately. Oh, no. Now, Moises, um, you have fashions of 1934 and the red shoes, so I'm sensing a sort of sartorial element to your choices so far. Hmm. Well, in a way, in a way, I mean, that, that could be there. Maybe it's a leitmotif, not a, not a full-on theme, but a leitmotif. We're going to rock it forward from 1948 to 1962 British Hong Kong where Shanghainese expatriates Chow Moan and Su Li Shen are the central characters in 2000s in the mood for love from director Wong Kar Wai (laughs) our first film not in the English language Uh, this this to me is Wong Kar Wai's masterpiece Uh, it is one of the great romance films it is not something that resolves the way that one would one would uh, would um, would see a Western romantic movie of the period too. Uh, there there is drama, there is conflict, there is a forbidden element to these two characters coming together. Uh, it is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Also recently restored in 4K. Um, this this is the kind of movie that was made for HDR. And um, similar to things that we've said about 2001, you really want to see this as beautiful and, and vibrant as you can. If retrospective screenings are a thing that is possible in, in the area where you live, if you've got like a, a restoration uh, or a, a repertory theater that does retrospective screenings, this is one that a bunch of them are doing because they now have a fresh 4K version of it. The Blu-ray versions of it that are out there are fantastic. It's also in the U.S. on HBO Max. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is a movie that that you should go into knowing knowing it's a romance, knowing it's about two hours long. And now I can say, if you know him from Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, it co-stars Tony Leung, uh, one of the Ooh. most charismatic actors in the history of cinema bar none. Um, and Maggie Chung is right up there with him. She just hasn't been in, uh, in a Marvel superhero movie yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. Just watch. Right. That's great. Uh, on HBO Max too. So check it out right now. That's great. I mean, coincidentally, right finish listening as, to the as is the red shoes and as is fashions of 1934. Oh, wow. Nice. Dang. There's the theme. Accessibility. There you go. Stuff Movies you can watch. Max. David, David, do you really think I would reveal my what, theme says, by just stating it like <laughs> that? Boy says, but if they can watch it on HBO X, why are they going to come to our film festival? That's right. Because some people can't get to our film festival okay. uh, in Federated Micronesia or right. wherever we're holding it. Yep. Uh, Shelly. You have picked Harold Maude and Edward Scissorhands. The best I can come up with in divining your theme is weirdos. <laughs> but we'll see where it goes. What's your third choice? We were in 1990 for a few moments there, but we must go back in time hmm. to 1975 for Robert Altman's Nashville. This Good is choice. Good a choice. great, yeah. great film yeah. directed beautifully, wonderfully. The ensemble acting is really what distinguishes it. Keith Carradine, Jeff Goldblum. Um, this is not in any order. Uh, people who became more famous later, Keith Carradine, Dr- Jeff Goldblum, Bloom, Lily Tomlin, Karen Black, Shelley Duvall, Henry Gibson. It's a, it is multiple stories that eventually end up at the end, uh, bringing all the characters together. But there is uh, infidelity, there is music, there is politics, uh, there is just an incredible number of 
incredible, unusual characters who connect in weird ways, and then at the end, their stories uh, coalesce. And it is, it's really, I, I, I like a lot of what Altman does, but this is absolutely my favorite Altman film, and I just love being inside that space because it's, it's such a, it's, it's got a mood to it as well, and uh, it's, it's just, it's just a wonderful film, and I love it. And and Shelley, thanks for biting my half my picks are in the Criterion Collection theme. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's it's clearly his masterpiece. If you like Robert Altman and you haven't seen this, you will love this movie. If you haven't seen Robert Altman, watch this. The rest of them are like this, but maybe not as good. Mm. If you haven't seen a movie from the 1970s, this yeah. is one of the best movies in the 1970s. Really Absolutely. one of them. Yeah. I think Altman. Very much so. Stylized. I, I always say when we talk about 1970s movies that it. It, it just you get the sense that everything is a little bit smelly and um <laughs> and i definitely feel that way with altman's movies he gets the he gets the smell across i appreciate it um justice for popeye <laughs> yes of course erica uh, you i all i got down is the 1930s for you you just pick movies from the 1930s uh what now I mean, that's not the best theme ever, so I'm going to go into the 1940s. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's, let's, <gasps> yeah. Fine. Uh, well, not too far, though. We're, we're going 1940, because I don't, I don't want to go too, <laughs> too wild here. Yeah, just yep, yep. ease into it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just uh, having so much fun with The Awful Truth that for the next pick, I, I, I just can't get enough of Cary Grant and Irene Dunn. So I'm going with... My favorite wife for ah. my next pick, which is just uh, another really delightful comedy with with great moments. This one is even more ridiculous uh, than than the plot of <laughs> the awful truth. This is one where uh, Cary Grant's character, his wife played by uh, Irene Dunn, has been missing for seven years. And so he has her declared legally dead so that he can marry this new woman who's named Bianca. And uh, it turns out she's not actually dead. She's been shipwrecked on a deserted island for 10 years and has now been rescued. Happens all uh, the time. Yeah, but wait. <laughs> she was... <laughs> Comedy! <laughs> but wait, she was shipwrecked on the island with a very good-looking fellow. Oh, no. <laughs> of course. Ooh, yes. So so, you know, plot thickens and you get a whole bunch of, of once again, Irene Dunn and Cary Grant playing off of each other and sort of sniping at each other, but also being adorable while they're doing it and trying to, you know, they're trying to sabotage each other a little bit in, in some ways. And uh, it's just bonkers and fun. And and yeah, that's, that's why I, I actually it. think I like my favorite wife better than The Awful Truth. I, I, I can't know. pick a favorite. I can't. I, I, I mean, I, I like them both, but I just really love my favorite wife. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's more ridiculously fun. Yes. Yeah. It's a little more over the top, which I think might be why I like The Awful Truth just a little bit better, because I, you know, I, I like my my ridiculous comedy to be a teensy bit grounded. <laughs> <laughs> but yep. All right. 1940. All right. You're moving slowly, slowly forward in time. Very, <laughs> yep. very slowly. Uh, David, it's your choice now. You have Knives Out and The Last of Sheila, so I'm writing down Twisty Mysteries as your theme. Well, you would think that. Mm. I do think that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to go for, for a film from 1988, which is not a mystery what? at all. I know, right? That's the mystery, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> It is a Steven Soderbergh film uh, starring George Clooney and Jennifer uh. Lopez with so much chemistry. It's uh. just nauseating. Um, they're, they're, they still burn the screen on my TV, you know, 20 years later. 
Um, it's it's out of sight. It's a film about a heist, about a bank robber trying to readjust to regular life after after time in prison. Then it flashes back to his time in prison. Then it flashes forward to his escape. Then it flashes back to his time in prison, back and forth. Uh, it is just brilliant. And it's it's kind of fun to watch it back to back with Soderbergh's The Limey, just to see how he's playing around with uh, linear stories and stories out of order and flashbacks. Um, unlike the limey, this is fun. So, uh, I don't want to say any more about hmm. the plot of this either. Uh, that, because I, I just want to interject. On, I don't want to hear an ill word said against Terrence Stamp here. Okay. David, yeah. I, we'll no, I, love, I love the limey. The limey, the limey yeah. is a great film. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying this one's fun, you know? Uh, um, seeing Terrence Stamp beat the silly crap out of people is fun for me, but that's just me. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah, that's, that's just me. That's a different that's kind of fun. Now, that's a David, different kind of fun. David, initially, I th- I misheard you. I thought you said 1988, and I went sex lies and videotape. I thought so too. I was. I did too. Sex lies and videotape is actually a heist film. Here, let me give you my TED talk. Out of sight is a great movie. I love it. It's amazing. I have to come to this day too because I've. I've also never seen this one, but always meant to. Oh my God, we watched it. This is why we're having a film festival. Oh, Steven says you've seen it. Yeah, we watched it in the last year. We watched Jennifer, yeah, George Clooney, absolutely. Uh, It's why we we bought an espresso machine because of George Clooney movies. Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks. There's a uh, trunk of a car. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, he Nothing. kidnaps a girl and he falls and she falls in love with him immediately. It's oh, yeah. very Steve, sweet. Steve wow. Zahn, Ving Rhames, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton plays the same character in Jackie Brown in this, both based on huh. more letter novels. Didn't I want stick. the Ray Nicolette cinematic universe. Damn it. <laughs> I want my Nicolette movie. All right. Weird. Cicero has chosen two movies from the 90s. What will he do now? Cicero. All right. So, uh, in the nineties, <laughs> this movie did not exist. <gasps> what? Oh, I'm on, I just take, been taken on a ride here. Because like, it was, was from was, the forties, but left. all copies were burned. <laughs> right. Uh. It's a film uh, called Rosebud. Yes. So here we are now. Um, this film actually is from the, Beginning of the second Obama administration, but not before he was inaugurated for a second term. Uh, so we're talking 2012 sometime between November and January of 2013. This is 2012. The film is This is 40. Oh. So, right. So oh, I'm glad you didn't pick the film 2012 because okay. that's not mm-hmm. very good. Same. <laughs> Some some would say This is 40 is not very good either, but they are wrong. They are mistaken because this is a film uh, uh, created by Judd Apatow, uh, part of his movie making machine. Uh, He had done a bunch of hits, uh, but this is starring a pre superstar Paul Rudd. Uh, He was on his way and Leslie Mann. Uh, They are a married couple that just they're they love each other but they don't necessarily like each other they don't like their lives they're trying to figure out exactly why everything just feels off 
uh, and they they get some help from their friends, played by Jason Siegel and Robert Smigel. Um, they've got uh, two daughters that uh, apparently love Nicki Minaj, um, and uh, those are played by Jed Apatow's actual children, Maud and Iris. Um, but it it really is a movie that is just like being married in your 40s. You're, you're like, you thought you had it all figured out. You don't really have it figured out. You're with this person that you like at some point you were madly in love with, but you don't, you know, it, things start to stagnate and your job is not exactly what you envisioned. You had all of these hopes and, and dreams and some of them are coalescing in the right way. Uh, but you realize that you have to take action to make those things happen. Uh, and, you know, by the end of the film, things happen. Not everything is, is a happy ending, but there are good resolutions. And, and I know I was able to watch this film and really enjoy how uncomfortable the comedy was. And, uh, and, and I was able to resonate with it. And I think that the people that are in my film festival, when this film comes up, by that point in the festival, once they already understand what's happening, they will too. Mm, intriguing. And you started out describing a movie and then kind of segued into like a self-help seminar thing. I'm Absolutely. buying it. Whatever you're selling, I'm buying it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Steven, you've taken us into space with Star Wars in 2001. Where are we going now? We are going to the year 1972 in a film from 1975. It's set in 1972, you see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I have to adjust my chart. Weird. Okay, That's right. <laughs> Whoa, we're going to go back in time. The reverse would back be weirder. I'm just in saying. Time. Uh, back in time. It is a film from Sidney Lumet from 1975. It's called Dog Day Afternoon. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, one mm -hmm. of my absolutely favorite movies. There is no soundtrack at all, apart from the opening song, which it turns out is being played on a car radio. Uh, it's all just tension, and it's for those who have never seen it. Basically, it's it's a bank robbery gone wrong, and uh, everything that plays out from from then on. Um, Boy, it, when you only know of Al Pacino as a uh, over-the-top character of himself from the '90s and beyond, you forget how how a titan of an actor he was. You know, going from The Godfather to Serpico to The Godfather Part Two to this, basically in four straight years. Um, he's amazing in it. I didn't think I like Al Pacino. Uh, he's riveting every single second he's on screen. He is amazing. Somehow he did not win Best Actor that year, uh, and because of that, we we are still paying for that because he got it. Yeah. He got it in, in, in percent of a woman, and I'm sure that probably <laughs> that that probably got it to <laughs> kick somebody off who should have. Terrible movie. <laughs> yeah. Terrible mm. movie. And he's he is amazing. There's a scene where uh, basically he he has to have like two phone calls in a row, and they they manage to sort of like have a film camera that had like two reels basically essentially going at the same time in order to catch this 14 minute performance essentially of just him doing a talking on the phone it's amazing it's a stunning stunning film um so yeah talk to you afternoon uh john cazale is also amazing in that he yes, is he amazing is. yeah, yeah. Where, where would you like to yeah. go you know anywhere you could go in the world wyoming <laughs> he says <laughs> and he's just he's so dopey but uh but lovable and uh yeah it's uh it's great <laughs> 
Charles Durney is also really good. I love the C notes outside uh, when they're sort of trying to, um, uh, you know, they're basically yelling over each other because that's exactly how the situation would would basically happen. If if it was, you know, you'd be editing that movie, you'd be going, wait a second, they're talking over each other. We can't hear each other's dialogue. Well, such a fraught negotiation would would happen exactly that way. It's it's yeah. it's shot very much like a documentary in in in, in many ways, and it, it just feels very real. And then they said uh, Robert Altman's on the phone. He wants to talk to you about intercutting dialogue. Well, what does he say? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't oh, tell. Like yeah. there were eight people talking at once. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it looks like Jack Nicholson won for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's mm-hmm. Nest. It oh, did, fine. yeah. What a year. I, what a year, though. For, Mont- uh, for Monty mentioning that makes me makes me feel like I'm, I'm starting to sniff out that Steven's theme might have something to do with movies that deserved Academy Awards that did not get them. Interesting idea. All, all I'm just all I'm going to say is uh, judging what movies are on my list and what movies Erica have uh, have said, I, I am amazed that both of our movies exist on the same shelf in alphabetical order, regardless of who owns. <laughs> oh, them or not. that is that, no, that is because, interesting because you should absolutely sh- shelve your movies in chronological order. Come on. Uh, well, well I just like you know, there's that's like, what the internet is for. That's what Plex is for. You yeah. shelve them alphabetically. In you shelve them by director and within director uh, chronologically. In- yes. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. By so, by the way, Monty, I just want to suggest "Send of the Woman" painted "Send of a Woman" pa- uh, paired with the sweet smell of success. You've got a like a sensory theme going on. Mm. No? no, 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 okay, no. Dan, uh, tell me some crimes. Oh, hi. Are you still, I'm still here? here? <laughs> I'm still here. Um, yeah, we'll do some more crimes. You want to do some more crimes? Yeah, let's, do, do, let's crimes. do it. Always, I love do to do crimes. crimes. I'm gonna pick a movie. We've left the 1990s, but I'm gonna pick a movie. That is not set in the the year in which it was released, uh, and it is a <laughs> sort of a spiritual successor in some ways to a, a, another movie that almost made my cut here. But I think this is actually a better movie. It is the 2016 movie The Nice Guys, uh, which Ooh, yeah. is directed and written by Shane Black, <laughs> uh, who also wrote Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, and Iron Man 3, among other things. Uh, and it is a movie set in the 1970s in L.A. that has to do with two somewhat oddly met, um, I don't know what to call them, uh, detectives, sort of. One of them is played by Ryan Gosling, the other played by Russell Crowe again. Um, and they are basically get embroiled in a complicated case that involves a possibly a pornographic film along with investigative journalism. <laughs> um, and it is just a delightful, delightful movie that is a lot of fun. Um, it has one of those great plots that like something like LA confidential sort of gets unraveled as you go further and further into it. Uh, it also has Kim Basinger in it. Uh, and um, a, a, I think debut role by Margaret Qualley, uh, as well as a really, really fantastic performance by uh, the Australian actress Anguri Rice, uh, who's probably most more commonly known as Betty Brant in the recent Spider-Man movies, uh, who plays uh, Russell Crowe's daughter, uh, who is very wise beyond her years, perhaps. Uh, it's a, a movie that, weirdly enough, did not really... Um, catch on for whatever reason i i don't know why it's sort of become a cult film i guess as a result uh but it it definitely deserves a sequel because the gosling and crow's chemistry with each other is just really fantastic uh and it just seems as though this could have been a a long-running franchise that just got nipped in the bud before it really had a chance to develop very nice i saw that movie i liked it it's a good movie 
Seen it a couple times. Rewatched it. It holds up. Uh, I argue it might actually hold up better than Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I, I think mm-hmm. I think it does too. And Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling as as dirt bags, uh, they're fantastic. I don't know yeah, if I've seen it. Nice we probably have bag. to ask Stephen. Nice dirt bags. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is very well worth seeing. All right, um, I'm going to continue my uh, my little list with a a film that is about that is not animated. But it what? is about uh, children confronting monsters, and as several people on this on this podcast may know, the resolution is when the uh, the creature that has stolen a baby away is told, "You have no power over <gasps> me." Oh, oh. I'm picking is Erica. happening. 1986's <laughs> Labyrinth. Oh my god! I thought you were going with Super Eight, but wait, what? Oh, I still uh, thought it was Mac and Me. My, I, I had two different themes I could go with. And Batteries I'm not included. <laughs> of course, um, I would have picked that first if I would have gone with that other theme. But wow, Jason, you're my new favorite. Oh, <laughs> Erica, 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 you're you're winning. You're beating Jason into submission. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Labyrinth is a very strange movie, and it's very much of its uh-huh. time. But it fits my theme really well. Of course, David Bowie is the Goblin King. He he uh, he steals a baby. The baby's sister goes to. To try to into uh, into a big maze to find the baby, uh, meet some some Muppets, including Hoggle, uh-huh. who is adorable. Yes, explain I've the plot. To see the baby. There's an adventure, and in the end, the the lesson again, as I have said throughout all of my choices, is something about giving kids powers over their monsters and their fears. And so, what better choice mm. for this? None, uh, afternoon none at the theater than Labyrinth, right, Erica? I mean, I feel like I could just log off right now and be happy. I don't even need the rest of my movies. Well, <laughs> alternately, Jason, uh, what we're learning about you is that you're totally fine with children being endangered as long as it pretty much works out in the end. You got it. You nailed it. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. it. Perfect. It's okay, kids. Kids, it's okay. The monsters. Are they your friends? I don't know, but they're they're okay. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. Is what I'm saying. They're not so scary. They're not so scary. Exactly. Um, like a proper Scooby Doo story. Exactly. Well, w- time for one more set of picks to fill out our days of uh, film at the Incomparable Film Festival. We will start back up at the top with Monty. Hello. Uh, did you enjoy Sweet Smell of Success? I think you might have just finished it. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jason, that hypothesis. Bert Lancaster. What a scamp. Jason hypothesized that my theme was bad journalism. And indeed, I have for my fourth movie, a movie about arguably the worst journalist ever. This guy is assigned to cover a motorcycle race and proceeds to go absolutely bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) It is, of course, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, yes. Uh, This book should not have been filmable, but Terry Gilliam found Uh, a way. Did he? (laughs) He did. (laughs) He made, uh, did the movie exist, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's on a Criterion Collection disc. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Depp, I think, does a great job playing Hunter S. Thompson. Benicio Del Toro does a fabulous job playing his attorney. Um, it's a really odd movie that I love very much. Um, it's, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Um, <laughs> you, you, you guys know drugs? after this film yeah this is a movie about drugs they're in this basically you need to watch fear and loathing in las vegas while you're watching 2001 it all makes sense 
<laughs> now that you mention it, I haven't seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas in 4K. I bet it looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I I had not taken drugs before I saw that movie. Um, <laughs> but now I've seen this movie. Um, <laughs> so and now counts. you feel like an adult. <laughs> yes, yes, and now, yes, exactly. And I felt like an adult afterwards. Um, yeah, whoa, that movie, whoa. All right. Monty, bad journalism concludes with Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, 1998. Yeah. I like to send people home on a high note. <laughs> so to speak. Uh, yeah. I mean, Literally. Okay, again, depends on your state or in Canada. Uh, Moises, it's your choice now. Uh, what, what do you have for us? And then, you know, you can tell us your theme. So uh, I, I started with a movie from the 1930s, then from then the 40s, then all the way forward to the, to the year 2000. And at the end of a film festival day, having programmed 12 hour marathons, 24 hour marathons, all that kind of stuff. You really need somebody to something to bring the energy up in the room, having to read subtitles, probably not a good idea at the very end of the day, uh, something energetic, something that really plays to the spectacle of cinema, uh, that we dipped our toes into with the first film. Why don't we go full on excess ratcheting all the way forward to from the year 2000 to the year 2001 Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge Uh, I knew it was coming Uh, I could feel it (laughs) that's that that's that's a way to end a day and it's it's a divisive thing some people have only seen it once and because of the one time they saw it and the particular circumstances in which they saw it because uh, it got hyped to them uh, to high heaven um, you know I, I think it is very much possible to ruin somebody's first experience of the movie by demanding by telling them that they are going to love it um, and Moulin Rouge is, is a movie that I think falls victim to that with uh, with too many people that given it given a given a fresh set of eyes, given it a look again after for some people 20 years of, of having uh, just seen it the one time. Uh, I find that that uh, that time has been very favorable to this movie, even if you're not really into a bunch of Baz Luhrmann's other movies. Um, I'm looking at you, Australia. Um, Moulin Rouge really does hold up. Um, and, uh, and it works for me. Um, it is the jukebox remix musical, uh, that, that works, um, where so many others don't. And, um, going to my theme, uh, I, 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 I go back to the word spectacle. Um, I'm big, I'm big on the notion of cinema transporting you and, and doing new and different things. And these are movies that it's not that all of them are as little known as fashions of 1934, but I feel like more and more, I'm I'm surprised by how many people haven't seen in the mood for love or the red shoes or even Moulin Rouge or seen Moulin Rouge without it being, um, being foisted on them as it was uh, a lot of people uh, in initial viewings who've gone back and revisited it and, and enjoyed it. So fashions of 1934, we dip our toes in with some Busby Berkeley stuff, but not full on Busby Berkeley. And then we go full on Technicolor with the red shoes and then in the mood for love playing with frame rates and in camera visual effects uh, and color and, and Moulin Rouge where uh, Baz Luhrmann just threw everything at the wall uh, with the most frenetic pace that people really weren't, I, I think, ready for in 2001 the way that we are now. Um, and, and I think all four of these movies in different ways changed uh, visual, the visual language of movies. Yeah, I bet, uh, thinking about it, I also have not seen this movie since 
it came out or was on video. Yeah, um, I think about it now based on my memories of it, and I think I bet it does age better because I think that it was pushing a lot of boundaries that are probably don't feel very transgressive now because it was influential and things are are uh, it don't, won't seem as wild and wacky as it did in 2001 perhaps I don't know like the boundary about you and McGregor singing <laughs> well, I, can't. I love that movie it's so good it's so beautiful that boundary all right Shelley you get to wrap your uh, story up now tell us uh, your last movie and what your theme was so let us cross the bridge to the 21st century oh oh <gasps> Um, a little movie from 2003 called The Station Agent. Oh, hey. oh, very good, yeah. Station Agent starring Peter Dinklage, Patricia Clarkson, Bobby Cannavale, however you pronounce that guy's name. Yeah, that's it. Oh, you got uh, it. That's it. Uh, and, and basically it's people who find and forge friendships despite the fact that they're all very, very awkward, very uncomfortable socially <gasps> with most people. They Shelley, are. Shelly is the theme yes. weirdos. Is it really weirdos? Uh, close. It, what I wrote. What I wrote down was uh, brooding introverts with a heart. All right, I'll theme. take it. So yeah, weirdos. That's nicer. <laughs> yours is nicer than mine. Absolutely. I I like weirdos as well, but uh, brooding introverts was with a heart was what I wrote. So yeah, the station agent, small, quiet oh, movie. So good. Uh, really lovely and just. All the performances are are very good. Love it. If, if you don't know Peter Dinklage other than like Game of Thrones, right? you should it's, it's, watch The Station Agent and you will have that moment where you say, oh, he is one of our best actors because yes. he is. Yeah. He really yes. is. Yeah. He really yeah. is. Good enough. He's extraordinary. Yeah. And, and then go see him in Cyrano right now. Right. He's amazing in that. I don't know. Musicals? All right, on to Erica, who has advanced to, to 1940 when last we checked in with her. Erica, what's your last film and your theme? Well, you got to finish off with a big jump. So my oh. big jump is all the way to 1957. Oh, is, that's whoa. the biggest that's the biggest of my jumps uh yeah i am uh i started with a musical i'm ending with a musical i'm going with 1957's funny face <laughs> i started with a fred astaire ah. musical i am ending with a fred astaire musical i figure by the end of the day everybody will maybe be tired enough to not be quite as squicked out as you normally would be with <laughs> with uh, fred astaire romancing young young audrey hepburn um but it's uh it's a romantic comedy and it is about fashion magazines and Audrey Hepburn plays somebody who has absolutely no interest in fashion magazines. She wants to be a philosopher. She's interested in philosophy, uh, but she's beautiful. And um, Fred Astaire and Kay Thompson's character from the uh, fashion magazine, he's the uh, photographer, uh, find her and say, sure, we'll take you to Paris. We'll take you to Paris where you can meet this wonderful philosopher that you're really excited about if you become a model and model all of these amazing, gorgeous dresses and outfits. Uh, this movie is just full, full, full of eye candy. It is delightful. Uh, there are some really wonderful, fun musical numbers. And I will tell you that my my theme is basically just comfort movies because right now we just need some some fun escapism comedy comfort so i am encouraging everybody to come to the erica day of programming wearing your pajamas bring a blanket <laughs> bring a bunch of snacks bring yourself a thermos full of wine mm. heck we're gonna set up a buffet table along the side you can just come like get up it's gonna be a raucous thing you're encouraged to sing along to the musicals 
Uh, there's going to be subtitles for, for the films. You can have a headset if you want to make sure that you hear it. You know, when people are singing along, if you don't want to hear the people, you can just hear the movie. Accessibility is important. Uh, we might even set up couches. Like, it's just going to be a delightful day. Like, basically, when you get together with your girlfriends, as I do regularly on a weekend, and just spend, like, six or 12 hours watching ridiculous movies and having a good time and drinking wine and eating snacks, that's what this day is going to be. And I think Funny Face is a good way to end it because it is just, it's it's the first film of all of mine that is in color. So, you know, it, it'll bring up the energy level a little bit with the songs and the dazzling colors and the beautiful dresses and the fun songs um, that are uh, kind of ridiculous, but still but still fun. Um, and it's just a, it's a feast for the eyes. It's a feast for the ears. And Fred Astaire, you know, he's, he's definitely much, much older than Audrey Hepburn, but he's still got the moves. Like he, his dancing is is still quite delightful. And uh, I felt like it was a nice thing to, to bookend it with some, some lovely Fred doing his thing. It is a very pretty movie. Audrey Hepburn is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I am squicked out by the Fred Astaire, Audrey Hepburn thing. <laughs> yep. So but that's, I what, prefer... that's what the wine is for all day Fair long. Enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and, and if you door dash a funny face pancake from IHOP, then you've got something else to distract. <laughs> now, I, I personally, were I choosing Fred Astaire movies from 1957, I would choose Silk Stockings, but I'm not, just because I, I think it's better. And I think the contrast, but Sid Charisse is also a good deal younger than Fred Astaire, but it doesn't show because of the part so much. But uh, funny face, very pretty. I will watch it with you. I will. I will sit on the couch. I will drink wine. I will not. <laughs> Sid Charisse is also a better dancer than Audrey yes, Hepburn is. But yes, I much yeah. better. I just love Audrey Hepburn so much. I mean, she's not much of a singer. She's not much of a dancer. But she is gorgeous, and she wears the heck out of those pretty clothes. And she I just, does. I am a sucker for a movie about like a fashion magazine where I get to see a bunch of pretty clothes. I kind of don't care <laughs> about what's happening in the clothes. And uh, pajama day. I love the theme. It's great. Yep. Um, I, I just will say that at some point, Glenn uh, has listened to this and really thought you were going to pick Funny Bones. <laughs> of course he did. And you didn't. You didn't pick Funny Bones. That's, I, I it's a reference not. to it. Just trust. Trust me. It's it's it, that was a great mm. reference to a very old podcast episode. David, it's your choice now. <laughs> Tell us your fourth movie and your theme. Berlin Alexanderplatz. No, no. Funny Sorry, Bones Glenn. still available. Funny, Funny Bones is still on the board. Uh, no, I, so, so my day starts with a very, very thinky, intricate mystery. It, it has a second, even more tricky, perhaps mystery. Uh, the third one isn't a mystery, but it's, you know, it's adjacent. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very intricately plotted crime film. And I thought, you know, that's a lot of thinking for one day. Maybe, maybe three films was enough. You, you think we need one more? You think we need one more. Okay, we'll get one more. It's 2001's Ocean's Eleven, also by Steven Soderbergh. Uh And you could do an alternate day where you just watch the limey out of sight in Ocean's Eleven because the three films all play with time, all play with linearity, and it's, it's fun to watch Soderbergh practicing to get it right. Did, did David just pitch a whole second day with his last pick? He did. That was a power move. <laughs> that was. It was an alternate. An alternate. Uh, a rules lawyer, Jason. I have to yeah, object. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't, didn't say that was them, my theme. He didn't. Pick I didn't them. pick them. He just said he couldn't. That's right. It's not. It's totally I legal. I, w- I withdraw yeah. my objection, but I harumph loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was. I, I did that in the spirit of Monty. Um, but Ocean's Eleven is no less intricately plotted than these other films. But it's just light. You can let it wash over you. It's a fun way to end the day. 
it's funny, it's clever, it's smart, it's it's as hip as it thinks it is, and it's a lot more fun than Ocean's 12 and Ocean's 13, which are no slouches, but mm, diminishing returns. Mm, Ocean's 11 is great. I haven't watched 12 or 13 purely because Ocean's 11 is just a perfect film. So and good. I think, how can you, really how can you top it? I have how can seen you top it. that? Yeah. They didn't. Well, 12 is the weirdest sequel in the history of sequels, and I love it because of of what it does. And 13 is the, we're all doing this for the money, right? We're all doing this for the money. Cool. Yeah. And and I got to say, at the time when they said, oh, we're going to make a remake of Ocean's Eleven with this killer cast, and I thought, well, you know, it's a great cast, but... That was a a terrible movie. The original <laughs> yeah. it wasn't is terrible. Just, it's fun. It, it's you get to watch famous people hang out and enjoy themselves. Annoying famous people. Well, true. <laughs> and you know, I mean, I, I I like that it exists for SCTV's Maudlin's Eleven. That's it. Um, <laughs> but this reference acknowledged, David. <laughs> wow. Thank you. I am part Canadian somehow. No, but <laughs> you know, but this movie. This is why we should remake. Not great movies. We should stop remaking all the great ones because Uh. they almost never top them. But this one is just sparkling. Putting that on the list, remake bad movies draft. (laughs) That is is great. All right. Put that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So is that that what we're doing when we're done with this? It's going to be ugly and I love it. We'll just roll right into that. Roll right into that. So my theme was not mysteries or whodunits. It's intricately plotted movies. Yes, intricately plotted. Very good. Um, Ocean's Eleven, uh, I know that this is strange, but uh, at dinner, literally last night, my son said, oh, I watched Ocean's Eleven. And he said, how'd you like it? And he said, it was really good. And I thought, well, if you can impress a teenage boy with a, with a movie from 2001, you're doing something right because they, they don't like anything. But uh, he thought it was great. And I, I agree. Good stuff. Um, okay, Cicero, uh, you gave us the Sandlot Swingers, and this is 40. What is your fourth selection? And uh, then reveal your theme, if you could. Uh, I want to thank you all for coming to my day of the Incomparable Film Festival. Uh, of course, the title is Diamonds Are Forever. And uh, <laughs> wow, not featuring diamonds are forever. Right. Uh, thank God, <laughs> hope not. And um, and we all understand that the reason that we've been here today is for our love of the first film, the opening film, The Sandlot. Mm-hmm. And and your love for those characters is not even just. It's not just a film about baseball, but it's a film about growing up and it's a film about having friends and keeping friends and 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 making sure those friendships last throughout the years. So I contend that not only is The Sandlot a great film, but it is the beginning of a connected universe of films (laughs) that (laughs) continue in swingers when one of the friends when two of the friends they're still hanging out they've got their friend benny that's still he's he's still playing baseball but two of them one of them decided that they were going to go in and be an actor and they broke up with the girlfriend and they are hanging out and then yeah 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 and 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 the uh and the the girl who was the uh 
she was like Wendy Farfanutter or whatever her name was. The the um oh what was she? The the this they they're not security guards. They're security guards for the for the pool, damn it. Uh what do they call lifeguards? <laughs> she was okay. the, 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 security the lifeguard. all of that in. <laughs> it's a different kind of security, but right. sure. So, right. So so the the lifeguard, they became <laughs> they they used that that love affair that they had early on. And they they got married, and they we got to witness what was going on. And this is forty. Now, four of the friends at the end of their lives get back together, and have one last romp with their one friend Chubbs, who never who never actually got married. And uh, he's getting married now, and they go to Las Vegas in a movie called Las Vegas. <laughs> This film is De Niro, Morgan Freeman, Mm -hmm. Michael Douglas, Kevin Kline. I think it's Michael (laughs) Douglas's character who's never been married before. He's he was an eternal bachelor. He's finally getting married and uh, and they go on shenanigans. But as four lifelong friends, as someone who is been friends with someone for 40 or 50 or 60 years you know that you love them and because you love them there are things about them that just get on your nerves and those things <laughs> get explored during the course of this film but here is four men that would gladly die for each other but also would kill each other if given the right situations and everything else and we all get to to witness that at the end of their lives and and what you realize as you've sat in this in this seat for just just a shade under nine hours in in this in this festival um is is that these characters started as friends and they end as friends and you got to witness it all that's beautiful so it, this is really interesting because it's sort of a conceptual arc of right. friendships over time at different phases of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Headcanon connected universe day. Right. Yes. Uh, which which also, of course, means that all of the other Apatow films are also part of this universe. So my imaginary second day would be about <laughs> all of the other ancillary movies like, you know, Knocked Up and the 40-year-old version and uh, I Love You, Man. All of those films are also from the Sandlot, the Sandlot guys. All right. Yeah. D- David pitched a whole second day and Cicero connected 17 universes together. Mm-hmm. I like and, it. Yes. And has a whole week. Yeah, I like I like that this film festival has like an appendix at the back that's like make your own second day of the film festival. That's good. Oh, and it's gonna happen again, even <laughs> when it's not my turn later, because uh, I've got a second day. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Stephen, it's your choice now. Well, um, yes, Moises uh, guessed mine. It is uh, it is basically alternate Oscars, which is kind of tying in with an earlier um, incomparable episode yeah. as well. Wait, <laughs> Stephen with a grudge? No. I, I know. Uh, well, there's a lot of great movies out there, and you can only pick one to win Best Picture. And for the most part, I, I agree with uh, a lot of the, the ones. Uh, so I have, oh man, I'm having a hard time coming up with the, the fourth one on my list. Oddly enough, I could go with Monty's uh, journalism angle, although he's going more for bad journalism. I would go with all the 
president's men. Um, uh, Dan <laughs> oddly enough, move. Dan, yeah, here Dan, it is. He's bringing out his dead right now. This is it. I'm doing it now. Uh, Dan oddly enough picked uh, Lockstock Two Spooky Barrels. I love Snatch. Uh, Guy Ritchie's uh, second movie. That I had that one chambered if, in case somebody else sniped me. That never happened, but I still made the power move. Um, I could also continuing the power move. Uh, uh, Peter Weir, boy, oh boy, he made some good films that were never uh, oh, yeah. got some Oscar stuff. Uh, Mosquito Coast features Harrison Ford's best non-Star Wars Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, performance. Um, not even nominated. Uh, he also uh, Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World, which went up against Return of the King. So obviously that wasn't going to win, but I just really like that film. Um, mm-hmm. Oddly enough, one film that I would almost put on here, but probably didn't get much Oscar love at the time because it's pretty dark and hard to watch. And that's United 93, which is a really tough watch, but a Ooh. really, really tremendous film. Oh, it's tough. It's yeah. tough. Uh, so to hell with it. I am going with what should have won the best picture in uh, for 2015 for the Oscars that handed out in 2016. It won like six or seven Oscars already. Mad Max Fury Road. My God, yeah. I, the, <laughs> I, I, I that's another movie that I don't think I've watched. It's it's right now. It occupies the 2001 position in that I haven't watched it in a while because I don't want to ruin that first, not only the first cinematic experience of watching the movie. But the first time watching the trailer, I remember my eyes rolled to think, oh my God, they're making a Mad Max remake again. This is ridiculous. And by the end of that two minute trailer, I turned to Eric and I said, we are seeing this movie. <laughs> and, and I said, do we have to? It's a, it's a chase across a desert and then it's a chase back the same way they came. And for some reason, it's one of the greatest films of all time. Stupendously edited, uh, well acted, well directed. Uh, there's trucks and fire and a guy playing a guitar that shoots fire and it's just like <laughs> oh golly gee uh, I, I every time I see uh, a thing about George Miller uh, uh, doing another uh, sequel to this thing and why you've, you've perfected it go off into the sunset this is the greatest film made in the 21st century in many ways and so it should have got best picture spotlight was good yep, carrying on with Monty's uh, journalism theme but um, uh, Mad Max Fury Road I think deserved best picture that year this week, I watched Mad Max Fury Road on a glorious 4K Blu-ray, Ooh. and it's so good. And also, uh, topical, it looks just like the Ukrainian flag. The bottom half is this bright yellow oh. desert. The top half is this bright blue sky. Huh. Wow. And I'm, I'm willing to bet this is the only time the phrase, golly gee, has been used in reference to Fury Road. <laughs> uh, it's so good. It happens in Canada really all is. the time. E- even yeah, yeah. even I is, loved it. Is, yeah, yeah yep. I just didn't like the trailer was all. Yeah, uh, we got to do an episode about it. There's some talk that we'll do that at some point oh, here. Yeah. We're going to do that. Uh, <laughs> hey, that. That might have been my mid-credit teaser, perhaps, for oh? a future incomparable episode. Yeah. <laughs> along with along with the uh, remaking a bad movie draft that I, I'm really <laughs> into. Yeah. And we may, I may start that before this episode ends, Dan. <laughs> uh, oh hi! You uh, you, you got you got more, <laughs> more crimes or whatever is linking your movies together? Yeah, I got I got I got a few more crimes. Um, Confess. <laughs> let me do a little crime. Let me do a little crime. Uh, I'm picking. So I thought about it. I had a lot of options, and I realized the first thing that was on my list I had picked in one of the previous film festivals. So couldn't do that. Uh, and instead, I've decided to continue the descent of criminals into, hmm, how to say, less competency, I guess, perhaps. 
Um, and so I am picking the 2017 movie Logan Lucky, which is also a Steven ah, Soderbergh. Yes. Um, and also a terrible Daniel Craig accent. A, also a Daniel Craig doing a <laughs> yes. Southern accent. Yes. Uh, in a, a fabulous, I would say, uh, Channing Tatum and Adam Driver and Riley Keough and Katie Holmes. Lots and lots of people in this. Essentially, as a pair of um, brothers basically go to rob a NASCAR speedway. <laughs> um, it's, you know, not the most competently planned heist, but it somehow <laughs> manages to get pulled off. Uh, it is just sort of a delightful fun. We'll end on a delightful sort of fun uh, a note with uh, this particular uh, set. I, I enjoyed this movie immensely. Uh, it's very, very strange and very weird, uh, but it somehow manages to to do a good job. I was going for sort of a neo-noir crime movie mm-hmm. uh, uh, angle with my, my picks. I had a lot of other options in there, but trying to find something that sort of uh, ticked all the boxes. And, and you know, you want to, like I said, you want to leave somebody with uh, feeling feeling good about themselves. So watch a bunch of incompetent people try to rob a racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, well, I... um have been championing championing the uh the the movies that the, you can bring the kids to my neighbor totoro the iron giant and labyrinth the whole idea here is um you know the monsters you get to know them they're not so monstrous and uh now i'm going to continue that theme however unfortunately uh all children will need to leave the theater <laughs> Is it going to be seven? Oh, as, no. as Labyrinth concludes, and we clear the theater so we can show 2006's Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A movie that, is, that does fit the theme, but is rated R and is super scary, but is, <laughs> yeah. is it? a story about the monsters not being as monstrous as maybe you think. And that the real monster is your evil stepfather. Anyway, <laughs> I knew it all along. <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro, it is beautiful to look at. It is a very disturbing movie. I, I think it fits my theme, even though it is not the uh, calm and friendly movie that the other movies might be. Um, and I, I just also really wanted to follow Labyrinth with Pan's Labyrinth. So there I go. Well played. Well played. So the people that bought family tickets, they're just sending their kids out to take a cab home while no, they, they watch the, the no, last they, movie? They, they, they just have to leave. They just oh, leave. Okay. Playland. It's sort of a, there's a, a playland. There's sort of a three movies and then and then and then there's like a longer gap and then the fourth movie is there for the for the people who want to watch that. This this is the late movie after after it their is. bedtime. It is. It it's, is after their you know. bedtime. That is absolutely the case. That's that. That's why I saved it for last. Is it's the last film yeah. of the night. It's a little late. The kids have have had to go to bed, and then you continue the theme, um, of friendly monsters question mark but with Pan's Labyrinth, which is such a strange film, and I love how it looks, and it's weird, and it's disturbing, and uh, all in the best ways. Um. So yeah, Pan's Labyrinth. That's it. Now that we have programmed this film festival, uh, we will go around one last time. I'm going to thank you and you can tell me if there are other movies or plans or bring out your dead or do all of those things like you want to do, uh, except for Steven, I think, who just did mm-hmm. his power move and did it during, during his picks. But if you've got other stuff you want to say, now's your chance. Monty, Ashley, thank you for suggesting that we do this again. And do you have any final words for us? Uh, I did have one other movie that's about 
unethical journalist, but I didn't do it because it looked like Shelley or Erica might do it. And it is, of course, His Girl Friday. <laughs> ah, yes. There you go. <laughs> or any of the various versions of the front page or switching right. channels or so forth. Very nice. Moises, thank you for being here. Thank you, Jason. I, I had uh, an alternate theme and two complete lineups, and and that was films entirely in the public domain. Uh, one of them, Ooh. horror-leaning, uh, 1922's Nosferatu, Night of the Living Dead from 68, House on Haunted Hill from 59, and Manos, the Hands of Fate from 66. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, His Girl Friday, I think, will be all the way out of, out of copyright in 2024, because I think the, uh, the original story is still copyrighted. But the alternate lineup was that, Carnival of Souls, Charade, and... Uh, oh, and, and the 16-minute short, uh, Popeye the Sailor meets Sindbad the Sailor. Mm. Oh, that's uh, great. And and then the, the one that kind of came to me as we were talking, uh, somebody mentioned uh, Paddington 2. Um, I, I figure uh, just uh, to 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 make things fun, um, a, 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 a Nick Cage lineup uh, that that ends with that one is a non sequitur. Uh, Wild at Heart, uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, his favorite movie and the new The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Nice. Very nice. You're um. Your out of copyright films, you can just like rent the theater the day after ours is over and just show them. <laughs> or, or, I can, or I can just squat in the theater yeah. and just, 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 just bring your own projector, little, like, like a little LED projector, and say, like, the, hey, the eminent watch domain film festival. Uh, okay, great. Shelly Brisbane, thank you so much for being here. What are your final uh, thoughts and extras? It was delightful. Um, I listened to a previous film festival. Uh, or at least part of it, and I read through the films that you guys selected, and I had a, an instant and a visceral reaction, which created the alternate theme I had for for my set of films. Where are the women at? Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of dudes picking a lot of action yeah. movies and movies based on novels written by introspective dudes, and oh, just so much dudeness going on. So anyway, that was. <laughs> The basis for, but, for my alternate theme. But funny bones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny bones. <laughs> uh, so, so I decided to program uh, female-centric movies, but not tr- necessarily traditional feminist movies, just movies where women were at the center, women's, women's stories were at the center. And it is an odd mix. We are going for, forward and back in time. So please to be uh, fastening your seatbelts. Uh, we begin uh, with 1993's Fried Green Tomatoes. Uh, mm-hmm. We go next to Christopher Strong from 1933, just for Catherine Hepburn's moth outfit. <laughs> uh, we go to Diary of a Lost Girl with Louise Leaf Brooks from 1929, and The Color Purple from 1985. Mm. Wow. All right, thank you. Erica, thank you for being here and uh, coming up with Pajama Day. Uh, do you have any other yep. last things to leave us with? Uh, I think my alternate day would have also involved wearing pajamas and having snacks. Uh, it was going to be com- <laughs> nice. comfort movies of a very specific uh, era. And that was going to be basically just like the comfort movies of my childhood. So people roughly my age, the, the the movies that they enjoyed and escaped into when things were bad, you know, like as a kid. Things are bad in a very different way now. But But back then, when I felt bad, I would watch things like labyrinth surprise surprise Mm -hmm. the never-ending story goonies and willow nothing bad ever happens in the never-ending story 
<laughs> Don't mention that. It, it all ends. turns out okay, Jason. Okay, fine. It's fine. David. The horse is alive at the end. The horse is alive. Great. <laughs> da- David, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, any final uh, final things to leave us with? Oh, yeah. I, I had a whole sep- separate uh, set of backup films for the same theme. So Logan Lucky, The Brothers Bloom, The Taking of Pelham 123, Sleuth. Oh, go see Sleuth. Uh, the Sting, Paddington 2. Um, but my alternate themes were uh, political um, Cold War, really. So uh, Failsafe, Dr. Strangelove, The Manchurian Candidate, Good Night and Good Luck. So you kind of get a little Joe McCarthy blacklist thing going on there. Um, a, a day of Preston Sturgis films, and I won't even name them because we'll just do them on Lions, Towers, and Shields. Oh, yeah, and, we will. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, my fa- my my favorite uh, modern musicals in the, from the last few years, Encanto, In the Heights, uh, the new West Side Story, and then you know all that jazz because I just like all that jazz. Mm. All right, Cicero, thank you for being here. And if you've got any extras, now's the time. Oh well, uh, yeah, it was my pleasure. Uh, so the only extra I had was you know how is going to stick the landing. And, you know, I wanted to go originally, I was going to go in one direction, but I wanted to make it a little bit lighter at the end, especially with This Is 40 being kind of awkward. Uh, so Las Vegas was was the right choice. But the other choice was going to be that only two of them were still alive and they were both terminally ill <laughs> and they had a bucket list Ooh. and we could have gone with bucket list. Mm. I actually thought of that. I thought, I thought, Las Vegas is that the one that with the bucket list? No, that's the right. bucket list. That's. <laughs> I just learned this. The bucket list originated the phrase "the bucket list." It did. That is correct. It that did. is yes. correct. Yep, that sure is correct. It did. So True weird. story. That is that is correct. <laughs> All right, uh, Stephen, do you have anything left? Thank you for being here, and I, you already kind of like. Uh, uh, well, do you have more? <laughs> No, I yield my time. Apart right. from uh, saying that uh, that uh, Erica, my dark, gritty uh, movies about death and destruction are also my comfort movies. So, <laughs> yep, it's why we have a lot. Me. It's why we have a lot of TVs in this house. Uh, yeah, uh, the cabinet of Doctor Shapansky. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Warren, thank you. What do you have uh, left over? Um, yeah, kind of a weird list. I was just brainstorming. It took me a while to come up with a good theme. I did have knives out on my list, but David sniped it in the first round, which took out my idea for doing more of a mystery focused one, which also eliminated, uh, my, one of my favorite movies, Zero Effect, which I picked uh, in a previous, oh, uh, previous film festival. Yes. So yeah. I realized was invalid, which was good. Um, I did briefly toy with the idea of making a parallel, uh, film festival to one of my earlier parallel film festivals. <laughs> Uh, because in a previous one, I think, I believe I picked, um, uh, where was it? It was Rear Window, which I would have paralleled with North by Northwest. Um, it was Lawrence of Arabia, which I would have paralleled with Bridge of the River Kwai. Uh, nice. it was Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid, which I would have paralleled with The Sting, uh, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I would have paralleled with The Fugitive, and then the first one, fortunately, uh, it was only four picks. And the first one I ended on gross point blank. I cannot think of a movie to parallel that movie with. So just as well. And uh, for me, I had a, I had some more friendly monsters. Uh, monsters, Inc., E.T., sort of. Gremlins, sort of. And Ponyo. 
Ponyo's monstrous, mm. I think. And uh, I, what I didn't go with, and I, I wondered if Erica would go this route, and she didn't. I had a really nice day planned with Groundhog Day, Source Code, Edge of Tomorrow, and Palm Springs. <laughs> oh. Doing some Definitely time possibility. loops. Looper and Primer would be my backup picks there. Uh, but, you know, I'm happy to have gotten my friendly monsters, and my uh, including the Labyrinth Pants Labyrinth uh, combo, which is just it's a one-two punch. Boom, boom. Just when you think you got them softened up, boom, there is yeah, a Yeah, the second one is the punch. Spying monster comes there. All right, that wraps up the Incomparable Film Festival number three for 2022. Uh, playing soon at a theater near you, or you can just uh, make the theater in your house and try it out. Maybe that would be fun too. Put on the pajamas. Try pajama day. You could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you for listening to this podcast. And thank you once again to my panelists, Monty Ashley, Moises Chuyon, Shelley Brisbane, Erica Ensign, David J. Lore, Cicero Holmes, Stephen Chapansky, and Dan Morin. And thanks to everyone out there for listening one last time. Go watch a movie. Movies are good. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>